Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson and joining me from across the pond, he's the statesman to my Kingsman. This film doesn't deserve anything different or special. You'll get to know why shortly. It's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you doing, sir? I am doing very well, sir. I uh, hope you are having a webtastic day as we navigate the r- Peruvian rainforest uh, seeking spiders. See, I didn't want to... Usually, guys, if you knew, I'll drop a an awful, awful pun related to the film of the week. Uh, I, I just couldn't this week because I think they've all been done to death. But JB has come out and he's saved us there. Um, so kudos to jb there my eight-legged friend um i'm doing well yes i'm not 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 bad at all um though i was what was it two weeks ago uh during argyle i don't know if it was a film i just didn't feel great and i've cut it's come back again now i can feel like a mini sore throat coming on there's there is so much mm. illness going around in the uk at the minute that i'm starting to think we're just never going to get out of it but yeah that aside not bad. It's been a busy week. Can't complain. Haven't watched as many movies as I've I wanted to, but there is good reason for that, and I will get to that later on. But I'm doing well, my friend. I've got a cup of tea, and I'm going to re- ready to settle down and listen to your um, soothing tones. But I do need to know, though, how are you doing, and are you keeping Florida safe and well? I'm doing uh, just well. Um, I'm, you know, okay. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm seeing a pattern though. Like, are you getting sick when you don't like the movies that we're reviewing? <laughs> Who like, um, said that I didn't like this uh, film? Maybe it's so uh, unique because it's so good, John. You would be one of the only uh, people on that that note. I have. Um, we we went uh, the Central Florida. I'm sorry, Critics Association of Central Florida. I got it out there. Um, we had a meet. We had a dinner meetup last night before we saw Dune Part Two. Oh, um, nice. And there was one critic at the table who ever, a few of the other critics were throwing under the bus because he he did like Madame Web. Um, <laughs> he did argue he wasn't arguing that it was a good movie. He just he was one of those who found some way to find joy in this uh, yeah, film that we're going to be talking about. And so um, it was funny, like you know, he was a, you could tell he didn't want to like put it out there, but you know, one <laughs> other guy did, and uh, I mean, for the most part, no one gave him too much trouble because you know we all there are times where we don't like something everyone else does or vice versa. It, this is just one of those times where it does seem to be kind of unanimous. So, but it was a uh, fun having dinner with the guys from the CACF last night. Um, it nice. the place we went to is one of those, they have like way too many types of food. Like you could get a pizza or you could get tacos or you could get like, it was like everything, but it was Tuesday. So they had half price tacos, which is what I got. And you can tell it's one of those restaurants when the tacos are served with French fries. Cause you know, I mean, granted, Taco Bell now has fries, but that's a fairly new contraption compared to, like, the tradition. Like, usually you get tacos, you get tortilla chips or something, you know, on the side. This place does have chips and salsa, so it would have been relatively easy for them to make that the side. But they went fries, which I'm not complaining. I got sweet potato fries. They were very good. Um, I prefer that. Yeah. And again, I like fries. I'm not in no way am I encouraging. It's just one of those things. I think if you go to a, a Mexican restaurant, they're probably not bringing you tacos and french fries you know what i'm saying they are like, definitely not doing that however that's that is my kind of restaurant only because my my waistline is certainly testament to that but you know sometimes i like going to a restaurant where you know you've got you've got the pick of the world cuisine do i feel italian and mexican today yes do i also feel maybe a little bit indian absolutely let's just have a little bit of everything i quite enjoy it. it's my gluttonous side coming out there john 
Well, yeah, I, I agree. The, the concern, I think, with restaurants like that is that just because they have all of these things doesn't mean they do yep. them all well, you know? Well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's usually the case is, like, they can do some of them okay and some are going to suffer. I, I will say I, I enjoyed the food at this place. Um, nice. The waitress was impressive because we had eight people at our table and uh we it was bad traffic getting to this uh location last night where it didn't seem to matter like i'm coming over an hour away um but like big tuna was only coming normally like a 20 minute drive took him almost 45 because of the there was an accident on one road and blah blah blah. um so uh she was very accommodating and we we had said eight people then a ninth person decided to show up and so they're like they no issue adding another chair it was just like very good service um it was a fun experience you know getting to talk to the guys about movies and stuff and uh getting ready to go see one that we will not talk about much today because one matt hasn't no. seen doom part two yet uh and two we're not going to be reviewing it for two more weeks because i got to see it kind of early um man you know john knows how to make me feel green um i was supposed to see it tonight oh, john knows this. I, was, I was supposed to be there now as in i'm recording but i was supposed to be at the dune uh part two press screening but um uh, other other arguably more important duties have arisen which have stopped me from um going but thank you anyway to warner brothers for the continued invitations however i'll be seeing it at the end of next week uh so it's only it's only about less than 10 about eight days and i'll be and i'll be seeing it with everybody else but yeah i was due to be seeing it after all the joking on air and off air that I couldn't remember what day it was. Cause I kept saying Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday turns out it was today, the 21st of February up in London. Um, but haven't been able to make that for, to watch the sequel to the film, which was my film of the year in 2021 when Dune came out. Um, but it's only eight days, but I'm glad you got to see it. JB It's well deserved. Of course, the perk of being a hell of a writer. And I'm also glad you got to have a nice meal beforehand with good company yeah good times good time well let's keep the good times going then jb with tonight's film um the rights we don't we don't do spoilers on these episodes though they also begs the question that with a film which is apparently unanimously derided who cares basically because it might save you all from going to see it but um tonight's film you probably have heard of it and I'm looking forward to talking to just about john not necessarily because it's going to be a a dumping session because it might not be but, you know, just to get maybe healing, maybe some therapy. Tonight's film, as we've alluded to, is Madame Webb, the latest in the Sony superhero cinematic universe. Whew. So let's just let's cut to it. Let's get to the, the tail of the tape for this film first. As we mentioned, this is one of the uh, this is one of the Sony releases and it is directed by SJ Clarkson. It's her first feature film. Uh, she's known for doing a lot of, um, I'd say, mainly British television soaps, but she's done a lot of, uh, she's done a, an episode here and there of pretty big shows in the States as well. Succession, The Defenders, Jessica Jones on it, Orange is the New Black, The Bates Motel. You know, so she's a, a very, a very uh, accomplished, very experienced television director. This is her first outing in terms um. of a movie. I'm seeing a movie called Toast that I saw with that uh, was a major T. Well, it was a major ah, TV film, so it's a okay. BBC film. So there you go. There um, you go. That was Helena, Helena Bonham Carter in that, though. So um, yeah, it's I, I watched a it deal. a couple of years ago on Prime, I think, and uh, didn't dislike it. I didn't realize it was a BBC TV show, though. 
Yes, it was a BBC TV film, um, so, so it wasn't a theatrical release one. So this is pr- really kind of yeah, streaming was about then, but it was still pre-streaming films, kind of I guess. Um, so let's get to who. So uh, Esther A. Clarkson directed this. She also wrote this alongside Claire Parker, Burke Sharpless, M- Matt Sazama, and obviously AI, uh, which I'm sure we'll mention as well. How now this stars, of course, you've all seen those fantastic press junkets. Dakota Johnson as Cassie Webb, a.k.a. Madame Webb. Uh, Sydney Sweeney as Julia Cornwall. Isabella Merced, uh, Merced as uh, uh, Anya Corazan. Celeste O'Connor as Matty Franklin. Taha Rahim as Ezekiel Sims. Um, Kerry Bichet as Constance Webb, uh, Madame Webb's mother. Here we go. Adam Scott as Ben Parker, hmm. Emma Roberts as Mary Parker, and Mike Epps as O'Neill, plus a uh, a lot of other people. Too many to mention there. The synopsis for this film reads: Forced to confront revelations about her past, paramedic Cassandra Webb forges a relationship with three young women destined for powerful futures if they can all survive a deadly presence. Okay, right. So we've said the film is generally panned and derided we've said before on this show that we're not prone to internet hyperbole of worst film ever or best film ever you know there's there's always a lot of that going on and this film has most certainly fallen into that which is why i'm looking forward to talking about it to see is it or is it just a bad film so what do you guys think about it ron tomatoes critics the score 13 <laughs> percent uh the, the audience score surely they wanted to see a fun action film superhero film well 54 percent of the audience on rt enjoyed it that's quite high considering metascore has this at 26 the imd user score is 3.8 out of 10 yeah and letterboxed <laughs> 1.6 i am surprised to see the uh rt audience score as high as it is considering yeah. i don't know that i've ever seen the imdb user score that low on something we've reviewed before. Um, uh, I don't remember, brutal. but it feels unlikely. I feel like generally it's in like five or higher in the user score. And I mean, there are, there've been some movies maybe that have been trolled by the IMDb user yes, score ahead yeah. of time. But like, this doesn't feel like that's the case. Um, it mu- I guess it has to be because of the RT audience score. I did see, you know, the, um, the, what is it? Cinema, cine score, cine, Oh man! Uh, so, yeah, I know. You mean yeah, the cinema school. The this has a C plus, and so does Argyle, and I'm just like that seems wrong. Like, what is the? I don't get the grading for the cinema score. Um, it's it's kind of wild. They don't do it over here. Um, obviously, we, we we it is used as a metric over here by critics. They'll, they'll mention cinema score, but I've never once been stopped coming out of a film and asked for my grading Me or either. score. Um, certainly on a. Uh, you know a public screening at least or anything like that obviously the press screenings yeah you either get an in or you get a, an email about it or whatever but um not on a public one so you know i, I kind of wonder who are these people and how many what's the, what's the cross-section you know who what cities what states what ages what you know, how, how how are we doing this is it a collection across the country or is it just one localized regional theater that's being asked is there's a lot to that at least for something like rt it is for me a little bit more transparent whether or not you, people care for it or not. And I'm sure if I went to cinemascore.com, it would and go to the about section, it would tell me everything I need to know. But yeah, it, uh, yeah. And when when you're told that a film gets a B, that apparently it's 
it's been uh, de- um, derided as well. Since when is a B B? What a, what a way to teach kids that they get a B in their exam. They've done a bad yeah. job. It's not good. And as a teacher yourself, the best in the in the country. Yeah. It's not a great oh. teaching. Um, Madame Webb, if you want to go and see this, and look, we're never going to tell you not to go and see a film. It's currently made uh, $53.5 million off an $80 million budget. It is available to go and see in theatres, and it will eventually be on streaming to watch alongside other Sony properties such as venom and venom 2 and the other one which i can't remember which wasn't really very morbius. good morbius that's it it's morbin time uh, there's been a lot of comparison between this and morbius but let's talk about madame web then so the question or the statements i've been seeing on the internet and also within the critic groups which of which i'm a part of is that this is one of the worst films of all time yeah it's the worst superhero film of all time and you know some some people have given you know, kind of learned reasons as to why that is. And others have just, I do believe just jump on the oh, it's crap. So I'm going to say this too. So I went into this with no expectations. Um, I did say to John though, as long as it's entertaining, a film can be as bad as you want it to be, but as long as it's entertaining, as long as it's not boring, then it's not necessarily going to earn brownie points in my eyes, but it's going to make it a little bit more worthwhile experience. And, I don't, and I can't say that about Madam Webb. Straight up top, I didn't like this film. Uh, let, let's get the mm-hmm, the smallest mm-hmm. elephant in the room out of the way. I didn't like this film. I, it, what, I, I didn't find it boring though, as much as it was just nonsensical. It, it, so my enjoyment of this film came from trying to work out how they got creatively, how they made up the decisions as they went along, and how things were just put into the film, which make no sense. So I got so much enjoyment out of that i also got a lot of enjoyment john we spoke about this last week or uh, about dakota johnson i've never seen somebody phone something in so damn hard so hard and i love yeah. it i think when you know when, when, when she's doing the when she's asked to kind of spew out the dramatic lines with uh, acting against adam scott who i actually think is not bad in this film uh, i'll give due to him um She's fine, but as soon as she's asked to be a superhero, the lights switch off, and she's like, "I have, I have no interest in this whatsoever." And it was so much fun to watch that. Um, so, what am I talking about? Like nonsensical stuff. Uh, well, most of it, to be honest, I mentioned up top that I think this was written by AI. It has four screenwriters. I'm pretty sure this was written by AI. Just some of the words that people are asked to speak are so bad. I also think that where the film is some of the worst ADR I've ever experienced. I also think that was done by AI as well, but the, and listen, I don't advocate for any kind of um, action to be taken against any filmmaker or anyone involved in the film industry. But, you know, and I, I take genuinely no glee in this. I know lots of people get very excited when they could dunk on a film or something, but whoever edited this film, should be struck from the record because it is horrendous and i mean visually and sound editing because the adr is terrible especially to hear raheem's lines i thought there was a uh delay between you know i thought there's something wrong with the projector because every time most literally and i'm not kidding guys almost every time the guy spoke he wasn't lining up you know the the words weren't lining up with his facial actions because it had been dubbed over it'd been adr'd and the the editing in this film as well, the way that things happen, um, that there are some blocking shots which is which are I, I can't believe they're in a film. 
there are some sh- like transitions which they, they, they love their transitions you know a briefcase closes cuts to a door opening i'm like none, none of this is clever to when madame webb is experiencing her uh she's she, she's tapping into her powers like, what the editing is so jarringly bad and it's something that you know as critics me in general notice is I don't want to say more than most because it's not necessarily true, but you, you, anyone can see a skitty edit. But in this film, more so than most I've ever seen, I did notice that the editing, visually and sound, was far below any expectation for a big budget major studio film. Um, the the CGI was also bad. I had to watch some spider people dart through tra- trees at the beginning, and again, couldn't believe my eyes. So, what about the story? Things just happen and happen with no rhyme, reason, or connection. Things are shoved in this big old cinematic blender, and you know the movie gods are expected to combine these into a cohesive story. You know, I, there, there are things in here that are I like the idea of. There are strands of story, or I think, or webs of story. Like, that. that's cool. Let's focus on that, or uh, that's a good setup. I wonder if that's going to be paid off. And the answer is, is is no, no, no to all of them. Uh, to the point when we get the most <laughs> the most unearned ending I've ever seen in such a long time. I'm not gonna say ever because that's hyperbole, but one of the most unearned endings I've seen in years. Um, yes, you know, thing the the again that a lot of that comes down to the the editing here. I'm seeing, but nobody wanted nobody is comes out of this film looking good. The three spider women in this film, uh, Isabella Muckhead. Uh, Celeste O'Connor, Sydney Sweeney, you know, they're in their cheap looking suits for about nine seconds. Um, Isabella, yeah. is, is she's so devoid of any kind of characterization. I have no idea who she is. I don't know what she did. I don't know what she was there for. Sydney, Sydney Sweeney, I love Sydney Sweeney. You know, Sydney, I think she's a great actress as well. But she's awful in this. She's she's fed awful lines. Let's not pretend. But she's awful. She knows in this. Taekwondo, Matt. She knows oh, Taekwondo. Damn it! Why and she also and she also knows how to dance on a table. When they, well, I'm not going to get to that. But um, <laughs> Celeste O'Connor was, and I like her in Ghostbusters and other things. But she's nauseating as hell, and this the character is so badly written. Uh, the villain, you know, to, to hear Rahim's Ezekiel seems so, so bad in this film. His reasons for being a bad guy. I had a bad past. What? Why? I had a bad past. Tell us more. I'm telling you, I had a bad past. God. It is so bad. And it's stuff like that which made me laugh. Not because it's so bad, it's good. It's so bad, it's... I can't believe these are words people are being asked to speak. So, And, and there is, there's a scene, John, where uh, he, he can see... In, he's got a clairvoyance. He can see into the future. He, he can see what's going to happen to him. And he's got to stop maybe. it, John. Well, you will maybe. He, he, he thinks he can see uh, his future. So, and it, so what he does then is he gets some technology... And he asks his overworked assistant to find three girls who match a description that he gives and is able to perfectly rec- recreate their faces. Though upon memory, I do believe none of them showed their faces. They all had masks on. So I don't know how the hell he managed to give a, a description that oh. looked exactly like those three yeah. girls. And yeah, it's so funny. Later on in the film, when you know when there's an uh, there is an announcement for these three girls, the Spider Women, to be found and returned to the police, within uh, I think about three hours, within three hours, their faces are in newspapers and somebody in a diner sees them. I was like, no, this 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 isn't you know. There's movie logic, and then there's illogic. You know that isn't a thing. And this film is set in the mid noughties by the way, as well. It's not set now where you can Ooh, open up uh, two thousand five. 
2005, there you go. So you, it's not like now where you open up X and, oh, look, there's three people who have been uh, who, who the police are looking for. This is a newspaper that would have had to be printed, distributed within three hours of these kids going missing. And it isn't about them. They're not even front page news. It is ridiculous. Uh, don't worry, John. You're going to get your chance. But, you know, <clears throat> Ben Parker, how does that, you guys out there know what that name is. T- t- at one point takes on three girls with no questions asked, three young girls with no questions asked. Why was Emma Roberts in this film? Why do you get oh, Emma man. Roberts in your film and then relegate her to whatever it is they did? And obviously, obviously I think the answer is studio interference. And um, I wonder if you have any thoughts on the studio interference, because I think it is very, yeah. very blatant here but you know there, there's well, there's lots of easter eggs isn't there about uh, uncle ben you know ben ben's gonna get shot in queens ben's all ben, this movie is right that's all it is, is yeah, ben, compilation of easter eggs and references to other things that are good and yeah that and, and and don't make some don't really make all that much sense because i think so much has been cut out but you know madame mm-hmm. web jokes about uncle ben dying more than once in this film and Spider-Man's parents as well towards the end. Um, there's, you know, there, there's a lot about this film, which is, you know, I cannot believe it passed censorship. I can't believe No, I mean, I buy that. I mean like studio censorship. I want to think of something good before I pass it over. Oh, and I don't think I can. And I don't want to be that I, guy who's like, it's all baby bad. Shower thing. sequence is kind of fun. Um, like, Dakota yeah, Johnson's be- like making fun of it almost. Just- acting I, I, I just also think that's just her just, she, that's mm-hmm. just they didn't tell her she's part of a scene i think i think i think that was actually a real baby shower <laughs> and they just filmed her incognito and she's like i hate all of this that's okay there was a gag here i liked when you know there, there was a moment i think where cassie says she's like oh my god i can't believe i'm gonna say that she, she she says out loud how do you know you can't climb up a wall if you've never tried but she says yeah. it kind of like contemplatively and then the next scene is her trying and failing like, that's quite fun um but other than that, you know, there's nothing in the story. I like. I think the ending is so badly done. The action is awful. Um, the the way mm, Cassie finds out her powers at the end and then becomes how she is at the end is it elicited a laugh from me. Um, the final shot is one for the ages. You know, it, 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 those suits, man. I can't. Mm. I want you now, JB. So in short. I didn't like this film. Am I going to come out and say it's the worst film I've ever seen? No, it's like the worst film I've seen this year. I still think Night Swim was worse because that was so boring and so devoid of life. Whereas this, I don't know what it was, but I've had more fun talking about this. Therefore, I'm putting it one place <laughs> higher. So but what do you do? You, what about you, John? Obviously, what did you think about the film? And is there anything in it which you think was okay? No, I, I don't think anything <laughs> in it was was good or okay, really. Oh, um, breathe. I, I'm not, but I'm not. That's just it. I'm I'm not mad at this film. I I think it's I'm mad at the studio uh, a mm. lot because I think it is emblematic of the problem. They are so much more concerned with building a f- universe, uh, putting the cart before the horse, so to speak, because they didn't even consider a story. Now I mentioned that this was set in 2005. I, there, I've read some things. There's a lot of speculation and stuff going on out there in the on the internet right now, but um. One of the things that I, I read was that it, originally it's in it. There's evidence in the film that this was set in the 90s and then they retconned it to make it line up with the Spider-Man in the MCU, the uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man. And you can kind of feel that because like there's one part she gets out of a cab that she stole and is somehow driving around and not getting 
pulled over for. Um, there's she gets out of the cab and there's a gigantic Beyonce CD poster that was like photoshopped in. It's like really bad looking. It's not. It's clearly not actually on the wall. Um, there's a sequence. Everything about the film is is a bad example of storytelling, of filmmaking. And it's hard to know who to blame. And that's, I hate that this is a director's first feature because this is the type of thing that could ruin a career and it may not be her fault. And honestly, given the the pedigree of her TV directing, it's not likely her fault. This is a combination (laughs) of faults. And you have, for example, um, the, the scene where you mentioned them dancing on the table to Britney Spears toxic, right? Um, (laughs) We start in that scene. And if if you haven't seen the trailer for this film or whatever, if you're lucky and you haven't seen the film, uh, Cassie Webb has uh, time abilities that are, I think really hard to tell how they work based on the, the cinematic language in this film. Um, It's very confusing what triggers it and why sometimes she moves ahead and then she moves back and then she moves ahead again and then she's back again. In the uh, the trailer, they make it seem like she lives the life and if she dies, she gets to relive that moment, right? Like, that's the implication, almost almost Edge of Tomorrow type time travel. That is not the case. However, in this particular scenario, it is the case. She foresees uh, going to the diner, Ezekiel Sims showing up, killing everybody. So instead she drives there now the problem is the first time we see her it, it's implied that she walks from their campsite to the diner like the girls did and the song is playing when she gets there here when it, she decides to get in the cab and drive there instead the same song toxic starts playing in the car radio <laughs> implying yep. that the diner is using a local radio station and not playing music like over a jukebox or in the house yes. um and but I'm like, that can't work time-wise because that would imply the song is really long. Like, it takes way longer for her to drive for some reason, you know, having to go, like, around roads. It just, it, it's like such a weird construct in the way it's set up. It makes no sense. And that's kind of this movie in a nutshell. It's like, so many things just don't make sense. We open with uh, her mom in the, in the uh, in Peru looking yep. for the spider. Um, Jesus that whole exchange feels so awkward and clunky, but more um, it's, it's there's so many little things about the way it's shot. Like it starts normal, but then when things start getting tense, it feels like a documentary, like handheld camera work. Like there's weird zooms and the, the, the coverage is this back and forth. There's just things like that throughout this film where it's like fundamentally bad filmmaking. It's fundamentally bad writing. It's the acting isn't, bad per se but they're definitely not committed to the characters that they're playing and i don't fault them because at some point they were probably like this is really freaking bad and we're already signed on oh well and that's it all comes back to the sony everything in this film that is a reference to something else is all this movie has it's all the substance it's everything is built around trying to like go hey you remember spider-man he's cool huh well he's not here but you should think about him for a few minutes and maybe you'll have a good time. It's like, why don't you make these characters meaningful? Like yeah, there's you nothing can to tell them. a story. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be an origin story. In all honesty, it's Cassie Webb should have already been Madam Webb when this movie started. Cause she has the ability to see the future. Like that's her whole thing. She, we don't need to see her get that ability. Let her have that ability and affect 
the world of these other three characters that they could have an origin story. Instead, we get a reference to, at some point, not in this movie, these three will be heroes. Probably. And now they won't. They won't now because this movie has done terrible. They will never be superheroes. <laughs> like, not on screen, probably not in real life. I and, bet the actors don't care one bit. I mean, they probably do financially. And, like. True. Well, Sydney Sweeney thought, bless her heart. I, I love Sydney Sweeney. She thought she was joining the MCU. What did they sell her? What did they sell yeah. her? And, and Sony, it's, and this is the thing. This is a consistent problem with Sony as a studio. Like, we see. I mean, Venom works because Hardy is committed to making it work. The story mm-hmm. doesn't work. The villain, I mean, I love Riz Ahmed. I have sung the praises of that man so many different times. Yep. But he's the villain of Venom. Does anyone remember that? I don't know no. And he's a tremendously talented actor. And then mm-hmm. let's not even get into the the travesty that was Woody Harrelson's wig in Let There Be Carnage, Jeez. right? Like, oh, what the heck? Like, are you shopping at Dollar Tree for your your costuming movie because like, honestly you can make an argument for this movie right yeah the the so much of it looks bad like there's bad wigs there's bad and like adam scott is a regular favorite of mine i love him in almost I think everything he's, good here. he's uh, doing okay. He's okay. as much as he possibly can yeah but like there's a the first scene we get with them in the ambulance dakota johnson is driving the ambulance he's in the back and he's clearly there's that she knows there's a patient and she goes, what are you doing back there? It's like the most incomprehensible line of dialogue. I'm like, what? And there is there is Chekhov's everything. And I'm stealing this from Devendra from the, the film cast, but I actually also agreed with this. It's like there is a scene where there's almost no action scenes in this quote unquote superhero slash action movie. But there's we have enough time to have a five minute sequence of the girls learning CPR in a hotel room Jesus, that reminded me more of the office and that I wanted to watch the episode where they learn CPR than anything else. And I'm like, well, there's, this is such a clunky scene because we know this is going to play a factor somewhere else. Like, otherwise if the scene makes no sense, if it doesn't, it doesn't make sense in the context of like the way she sets it up, like, Oh, in case the poison, cause he, you need to be able to pump the heart. It's like, I like, I don't I'm not a I'm not a paramedic, but I don't yeah. know if CPR would save someone who's been poisoned. I don't Pretty think sure the so. Blood's still going to pump around the body regardless. Yeah, in fact, that I'm, move, that's, that, that scene stops the whole the film, doesn't it? Yeah, it it stops the whole film, and then of course it does pay off. It just pays off in a way that's dumb and terrible, and it feels so stupid at the end when it shows up i was just like oh man and I, i'm not saying what how or why it manifests i'm just saying it does come back and there there's so many things like that in this movie i have a really long list of notes but one thing i am gonna say okay. to me the the part where i i i out loud said in a theater f you movie is <laughs> the line that they they reference and rewrote to once you take the responsibility, you will oh. have great power. And I'm like, oh, you know what, movie? Like, how dare you? Like, even That's to reference this is that, AI, surely. It has to be. Yeah. Like, the the balls to, to think you you can say that line in that way and it be, like, a cute nod. That's what it, it felt like they were going for, like, oh, this is a cute nod. It's like, no, it's not. It is not a cute nod. It's terrible. How dare you? That is an iconic line. That is a piece of it really cinematic is. history at this point. And 
it, it's obviously it transcends cinema, but just for the moviegoers only, that line has meant something for over twenty years now. And to like to to reword it and what again doesn't pay off. It's not like some powerful, meaningful thing. And it, the the guy who says it has just ripped off Doctor Strange and like his push her spirit out of her body. Like there's so many rip off references in this film. Uh I, you know that it it just it does feel it feels worse in a student film. It feels like that's the thing to me. It's like there's so many things wrong with it then there does not feel like any redeemable things with it that it's it's hard to argue against someone who it does feel still feels like hyperbole to say something is the worst of something you've ever seen right like there, you've seen yep. so many movies but one has to be and this one might be it like it's hard to put a finger on it like i think you could make a strong argument for like the room, of course, like that's oh, it's the worst movie ever made. But the room, when they were making it, they thought they were making art, and, it, and in a lot of ways, it is art. Ugh. Is it is it crazy bad and like the dialogue feels alien and stuff? Yeah, but there's something about the room that is engaging and entertaining while watching it, where that is not what this is. And there are people who are claiming this is going to be a camp classic. It's like no, because there's not. nothing redeemable about this. There's not. It's not fun stuff happening and it's and again it's it's choppy i mean there's just so many things wrong with it and at the end of the day the thing that upsets me the most is this is what we've seen this is a studio who is mishandling ip who doesn't seem to be aware of storytelling first tell this i could write eight stories confidently i feel very confident with saying this mind you that are more engaging and comprehensively sensible than what this movie is doing. And I don't think I'm a great writer. I don't think I am some storytelling guru. I just think that th this is so bad that most people could tell a better story than this, you know, like mm -hmm. it's just that straightforward of a, a solution is, and it doesn't feel like this movie had a story and it's, you're making the movie because you have a property and not because you have something to do with it. And that is a, a really bad sign for IP, specifically comic book filmmaking. And we've seen that even with the MCU where there's things where like, well, why did you do this? Is it simply because you want to reference? I mean, I think that complaint can be levied at the Eternals. It's like, well, why did you have to tie it into these yeah. other things and then ignore it everywhere else? Like that feels problematic and this is worse because it's like hey you know all these other things that's the only thing we have to stand on we have nothing else to do with it we don't it doesn't matter that these other things might happen or will happen or whatever it's just here and that is the the, the concerning thing because sony has a lot of properties and you know uh you we have ghostbusters coming from them i'm unless something changed i'm pretty sure it's sony that's releasing that uh, um, i think so yep yes it is yeah yeah um, and then I, I, I don't know for sure, but I know at the beginning of the Borderlands trailer, it says the, the studio that brought you or the producers that brought you Uncharted, yes. which I know it's Sony. So I'm like, oh, God. Um, and so, Venom, may say as well. And Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, right. So if it's not Sony distributing, it is definitely people involved with the Sony machine. And Uncharted, while far better than this movie, it, it's still like you see that same mishandling. It's like, oh, we have a property we'll just regurgitate some things from the game and that'll be enough. It's like, it's not, it's really not in borderlands. The trailer, we're not talking about that today, but it's a good tie in. If it is Sony, because what that trailer feels like to me is like, we have a property. 
but we don't really have a sense of how to use it. And we're just going to make a bunch of references. And that is my fear with the new Ghostbusters film. And while it worked for us that first time, I need the second one to do more. And right now the second one just feels like more of the references, uh, you know, and I'm like, cause like, I love that Slimer's back, but at the same time, why is Slimer back? Because he sells things, you know? Um, yep. And so until I see it, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm going in hopeful, but this particular studio is alarmingly making bad decisions when it comes to their storytelling. So we'll have to see what happens uh, with the exception of, of Spider-Verse, but that's all the more baffling is like, how is Spider-Verse getting made? Cause it feels like this studio ruins everything it touches. Yeah, no, I, I agree. My friend, one of the things I did think whilst you were talking was, um, uh, um, Pete off, the director of Catwoman is now s- sitting back in his mansion, ha- hands behind his head, thinking, finally, we are not the barometer for bad superhero films. I think Madame Webb is the new Catwoman uh, and can't really argue with it. Um, yeah, I-, I can't really argue with anything you said there either, my friend, because it's I think it, it is all true. There's it's there's so much I think is as objectively bad as you can say without being definitive about this film it is badly written it is badly edited the acting is bad because the screenwriting is bad nobody i think i read that what the actresses signed up for didn't end up being what they filmed so there's probably a little bit of that bleeding onto the screen as well uh, i'm not to say that what they would have filmed would have been any better because i don't think it would because because of what you said this is a mandated film that like we want we've got this character let's get you know let's get four hot young girls in it let's just put them in let's put it in the trailer let's put them in superhero outfits so people get um intrigued by this but we're not going to put that bit in the film it's only going to take up 10 seconds guys but the you know the paying public don't need to know that and then you know let's let's not let's 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 put like a series of sketches and vignettes together uh about how they meet and about how they have to elude this villain and then at the end we'll make it all really nice and happy in one of the most outrageously unearned endings i've seen in years um yeah, it just does. F- I feel very much like, uh, uh, without being a fly on the wall, S.J. Clarkson, who I am going to attribute some of the blame for, because she is a director. But it does also feel like you said there is a lot of interference. There's a lot. I think her hands were tied uh, with a lot of this, and uh, you can see in that editing that stuff has been taken out. Things are just, you know, things don't make sense as to why they're there, but they've been kept in. It is clunky. It is messy. All of the negative connotations you could throw out a film, this one has. um, But I still, (laughs) I still were would probably watch it over Night Swim. Um, But you know that that is the beauty of Madame Web. It has got people talking, John. Other than the Dune Two popcorn bucket, you know, Madame Web has been top of the list for so many people in for the last week or two in film circles because it's just trying to decode what it actually is i mean i've just seen on wikipedia they actually list it as a suspense thriller and i mean i don't think i'm ever going to donate to wikipedia based on that a suspense thriller wow okay so um yeah it looks like john are we going to go with the a bloody awful uh rating for this week's film oh yeah 100 percent now we we will not be adding to that thirteen percent on Rotten Tomato. So Madame Webb, it's been fun. We loved you. We're not going to miss you, and we ain't going to be seeing a sequel anytime soon. But stranger things really have happened. But 
Well, let's go on then, JB, from talking about one film which has a low RT score that we didn't like to our next segment, Concessions of a Cinephile, where we have a little bit of water cooler chat. And this week, we are going to be talking about the So Bad It's Good movies. So films yeah. that we love, which so, have a score of, you know, around 30% or lower on RT. We thought that would be a little fun little uh, segue I from Madame Webb. It's, if, if you were one of those people who did find joy in Madame Webb, and maybe you're feeling a little bad right now because we've just bashed the movie that you enjoyed, these are going to be your chance. Maybe you're going to hate some of the movies that we like True. that people consider are bad. So it, it's it's in uh, solidarity. You know, it's okay to like whatever you like. That's why there's so many choices. Uh, and, and that's it at the end of the day. Look, uh, we, we we all have people called in guilty pleasures or, or some people are, are proud to wear them as a badge of honour. But, you know, at the end of the day, it ain't that deep. You love, If you love the film, great. If you didn't, great. But let's just have fun, which is what we're going to do with this segment. So, John, so bad, it's good. Films that are hanging around 30% or less on RT. Uh, you to kick us off then. What is one of the films which is considered to be bad? Oh. And your first one probably is, but you think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, one that I, I, I can't remember... I rewatched it a few years ago because I, I won one of the games with Mike and Corey, and I think I made them watch it. I might have made you watch it. I don't remember for sure. Um, uh, not but yet. Hudson, Hudson Hawk, uh, named after you, of course. Um, it's a Bruce Willis movie that I saw as a kid um, that just the, the comedy worked for me as a kid. And you know what? It still does. It's got a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. I actually thought it was going to be lower. Uh, when I went to look it up, I was kind of like, oh, all right. But um, I, I still enjoy this movie. I don't I, I don't go to it all the time, but it was a film I've seen too many times. Like we used to have a local video like rental place when I was at that age. And I don't remember what made me get it. It is the reason that cappuccino is my favorite coffee, because a plot device in the film is Bruce Willis's character is constantly trying to get a cappuccino, but something keeps going wrong or he can't get his cappuccino. And as a kid, I was like, well, it's got to be the best coffee in the world. Right. Like, so uh, the first time I tried it, hated it. But now it is like my one of my favorites um first time i tried it i was like 13 was not ready for like espresso and a little bit of milk um <laughs> but it's a film that again i don't like i have not watched it a lot over the last 20 years but in the early 90s i watched it all the time and then when i did revisit a few years ago i still found it to be very entertaining i, I think it's bad but it's fun bad like it's the jokes like i think it's aware of its own silliness uh rich richard e grant is playing this over the top villain and just so insane. Like I, 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 there's so many parts about it that I love. The CIA characters all have candy bar nicknames for some who knows arbitrary reason. Like it's just stuff like that that I just find so funny about it. Um, Andy McDowell does dolphin impressions at one point. It's such a weird freaking movie, uh, and I, I love it so much. I vivid memories of it. If anything, the part that won me over as a kid is instead of using a timer for his cat burglary, he uses songs. Uh, and the length of them he knows them by heart like how long they are the three minutes 48 seconds this song and then it's them singing while cat burglaring which is clearly not a good idea yet just works as a as a plot device in a movie because it's just entertaining it's bruce willis uh, you're cutting back and forth with him and danny aiello uh who are both singing but they're in different spaces but you're you're cross-cutting as they're they're moving through and it's just man i just i think it's so funny and silly uh hudson hawk Definitely worth checking out if you have access to it. 
No, I love the passion, my friend. And that is that that is exactly it. Who cares what the world thinks? Same as what we think about Madame Webb, guys. JP loves Hudson Hawk. Since I've known John for also it must be seven years now, give or take. Um John has championed this film for well, since day one. Mainly because yeah. it's named after me. But yeah, that, that that has never wavered and even now, all this after all these years, he's still passionately defending Hudson Hawk, and I love that for you. And anything with Richard E. Grant acting out of his socks i'm here for so i may have to revisit it when i saw it i do remember vividly thinking i don't really like this so i'm not sure i'm going to change however in my elderly state now maybe i'll watch it with a new set of eyes and think oh i and i i'm more mature when it comes to my takes so you you you, you never know john you never know i will i've been saying also for about seven years i will re-watch it and john knows more than anyone that i say that and have to be prompted so many times and generally still forget so um my one ojb is a it, this is a certified clanger by everybody yeah. and it is jaws the revenge uh, which is one of only a small handful of films that has zero percent on rt now i'm not going to sit here and claim that i'd be the outlier who'd give this a thumbs up and give it its two percent or one percent on rt but the reason that i've picked this film is for one because i like jaws films like similarly to another film i'm going to mention in a bit you know something you get so far down a rabbit hole in these series which probably should never have been series especially with jaws that it just gets so absurd and it becomes entertaining it is it is that so good it's bad type thing the premise of jaws the revenge is the um is chief brody uh, who played uh, wonderfully by roy scheider he you know he, he he's died now in in universe and the do of Sh- well, actually directly to do with sharks but the reason they give is hilarious um but his his widow um ellen brody played by uh, lorraine gary she she's gone to the bahamas because something's happened uh, in in her life she's gone to the bahamas lo and behold to her though jp a shark has followed her the uh, uh, the shark has followed her to the bahamas to enact its revenge for kiff on her and the Brody family for killing his shark brethren to the point where a <laughs> at the beginning of the film the well, Sean Brody uh, the son of Chief Brody and Ellen Brody he, he's like a I don't know where he is but he works in oceans <laughs> he's he's like a lifeguard or something his office gets a call just as he's leaving to say that there's a there's been you know there's some flotsam and some wood floating around by the dock and it be moved um, and when he gets there, you know, he, there's a killer shark waiting for him, which kind of makes me think, did the shark make the damn phone call? Because there's no one around and it's about two in the morning. So no one's ringing up the, the, the chief of the water at 2 a.m. to say <laughs> there's some wood in the, in the ocean. So that's something I've always wondered about. You then get the the great Sir Michael Caine as Hoagie, who is a, who's a, a pilot who seems to have the hots for Ellen and doesn't matter that his, her son's died. It, Hoagie's going to, you know, he's going to get the girl. Um, he's got some great lines in this. Um, he also missed getting his Oscar because he was filming this. Um, he, wow. he missed picking up. His, he won that. his Oscar for, I can't remember what the film was now, but he was on set in the Bahamas filming this. And he's come out and said as well, you know, listen, I, I had a great time during this film. It's in the Bahamas. Um, and, 
I got to buy my mum a new house. That's why I did it because the paycheck meant I could buy my mother a new house. And I was, and you know sometimes things do have a happy ending. But basically, the revenge part of this is a shark has decided to t- pick up the mantle for sharks worldwide. Follow the Brody family from Amity all the way to the Bahamas. It just knows where they're going and try to eat all of them. It is a 0%. And the reason why I picked this one is all of that. But when it's on TV, I don't turn it off. I never turn it off because it's a Jaws film and I can put it on in the background. As long as I don't watch too hard, I can enjoy it for what it is, even if, even though it's got some of the worst, most egregious callbacks ever. Um, and also, like you, I remember watching it. This came out in 87, so I was uh, two when it came out. So, of course, it was replayed on television years later. So I remember as a kid who was stupid, not necessarily distinguishing the difference between the Jaws films. So to me, as a five, six-year-old kid, this was Jaws, man. This is oh, this is the film everyone was talking about. So I just remember watching scenes of it as a kid, and I've got that kind of um, those kind of memories of it. So Jaws to Revenge. Is it good? No. Would I argue that it's a good film? No. But is it entertaining? Hell yeah, I think it's fun, John. So it's my number one. Or it's my first pick, sorry. Yeah, that one has a scene where Michael Caine gets out of the water and he's completely dry. Um, yes! Oh, the, bl- uh, the, bl- the breath on that thing. It's like, come on, yeah. Michael. Um, <laughs> so, oh man. Um, so my, mm-hmm. I could have picked probably like four or five Adam Sandler movies that qualify that I do like. Like I like Mr. Deeds and I like um, Big Daddy. And I think those are all low on the Rotten Tomato score. Um, uh, but I went with Grown Ups. Uh, 2010's Grown Ups. I I hate Grown Ups 2. I think Grown Ups 2 is so crazy how bad it is by comparison. But I I really connected with Grown Ups. It might be because I grew up watching Adam Sandler movies. And so, like, this is, like, the middle-aged Sandler film. And this came out when I was, like, just approaching that time period. Like, I'm, like, turning 30. And here's this, you know, movie that features a lot of people that I grew up uh, loving. Like, I was a huge Chris Rock fan in, in high school. And I was a big Adam Sandler fan. I, I was day one Billy Madison in theaters kind of fan, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my SNL crew was that group of, of Mike Myers and Sandler and David Spade and Chris Farley. And uh, the one thing that grownups, the, the glaring error to me with grownups is not it's not an error per se, but it's very clear that Kevin James is supposed to be Chris Farley, right? Like if Chris Farley hadn't <laughs> died young, yes. that would be him on screen because that was obviously the friend group. Kevin James shows up when they lose their quote unquote fat guy friend. And um. But this movie, I, I find it very entertaining. There's still lines that I quote. I want to get chocolate wasted. I say way too many times uh, <laughs> because of this movie. And I, I, you know, Selma Hayek's in there. Um, I think Maria Bello. She's yeah. yeah. Uh, Maya Rudolph. It, Maya Rudolph, who's great in it. Like, there's some really funny scenes. And, of course, you get a lot of the, the like, it's always baffling as I have become a cinephile, you know, and have watched so many movies over the last seven, eight years because I always still think of Steve Buscemi as the weird guy in the Sandler movies, because that's where I like was first introduced to him. Um, obviously Buscemi, incredible talent. He's been in uh, Tarantino and Coen's and just so many movies, but then he always is like game to be the weird guy in the Sandler films, right? Like yep. all the time. And here he is in this movie again, playing the weird guy in, on the, the rival group of, of, you know, townies. And, uh, I, I don't. I couldn't believe this had a ten percent. I was like, really? I thought everyone liked this movie. Um, so this one kind of shocked me when I saw that it qualified. But I, I still think Grown Ups is a lot of fun. It's been a minute since I last watched it, but this was one. Um, like a lot of Sandler films, once I'm into them, I tend to rewatch them. And I think it was on HBO or something at the time. And it just anytime it was on, I was just letting it run through. And I've seen it a bunch, and I, I always enjoy it. 
Yep, fair enough, my friend. For a film that people seem to not like, it made nearly $300 million at the box office, so there's that as well um adam sandler i'm a bit always a bit hot and cold and adam sandler i do sometimes prefer the dramatic stuff he does but i can't oh, yeah, deny some of his things like the wedding singer and things like that you can't i can't look past that and say it's a bad film because i love it um okay i'm gonna give you my next one jb um my next was the mighty ducks the mighty ducks jb um, i couldn't believe this had a, that low of a score like in my head that's a masterpiece like what and the heck neither could i it's a 1992 the mighty ducks this is 23 percent on rt you know it's got a 6.6 on imdb and most people on google seem to like it, but 23 percent on rt and i just remember loving this film as a kid you know i like i love hockey i'm wearing my penguins hoodie right now um i don't buy ice hockey anyway but I just love this underdog story. Um, I was like Emilio Estevez. I now link him to this film. When everybody suddenly mentions Emilio Estevez, I think of this film, and I always will do. You know, you can you can you can tell me about all of his other. Films. You can talk about Young Guns, The Breakfast Club, or whatever part of the Brat Pack, the new Brat Pack, whatever. But now, nah, to me, he is my guy from the Mighty Ducks, Gordon Bombay. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I. I not much to say about it. I mean, it's it is cliche. It's as contrived as you want. But aren't all the best underdog stories? Aren't all those good feel good? All the best feel good sports stories, or I, just any I think stories? It's one of the best like sports movies for kids. Like, because there was a yes. run of that early nineties where you get like, I, and I love most of these movies. I'm about man. to name drop, but like, yeah, little little giants, rookie of the year, uh, Sandlot, which is a little better, I think, than Mighty Ducks, but still, you know, um, different. You I argue. think different tonally. Um, oh, but, oh my, yeah, yeah, yeah. but Mighty Ducks, man, uh, and and I'll argue. I I think the second one's also really good. I I don't. I didn't love the third one, but I love the first two. And I actually was really into the TV series for a minute, and then I forgot to go back to it uh, because they wasn't fired, so hot on that. They fired Emilio. Yeah, they once that happened. Yeah, everything yeah. fell apart. But yeah, Emilio. Yeah, other than. Yeah, so yeah, I I equate him to the Mighty Ducks and his firing. But um, yeah, no, I I remember seeing this as a kid. I think I saw it in the states when I was a kid. That was my f- oh. first time I saw it was over there because my, my uncle lives over there. Um, what did I see over here? I might be the second one I saw actually over there. I saw the first one in the UK, second one over there. But nope, I've just, it's, I just really, really, really enjoy. It. And again, there's a link there. It just makes me think of being a, a young again. So the Mighty Ducks at twenty three percent is another. Uh, guilty pleasure, I guess. So bad, it's good for me. So I, I'm curious, man. Have you ever seen the movie? That's my third one, Dirty Work. Uh, no, I've done my fair share of it in my time, but I've never seen the film. So I am a big fan of Norm Macdonald, and I like comedies uh, a lot, especially pre cinephile version of me was very much about comedies and dumb comedies at that. Yes, um, I didn't realize how old this movie was. It's 1998. Um. I did not know this at the time when I saw it, but this was a movie that I rewatched a bunch. Also, I think it was on HBO or something. And it was just anytime it was on, I was going to watch it. And Bob Saget directed this movie. And that's something that I, I did not know when I was watching this as a kid. Cause I would have been like, Danny Tanner directed this. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, this was, I knew who Artie Lang was long before he got popular on the internet because of this movie. Cause mm-hmm. he's like the, the number two guy here. Um, Jack Warden is in this film, uh, who I didn't realize, you know, like he's this iconic actor of the old days, but for me, he was this guy. F- like, like I just mentioned, Steve Buscemi was that for me, like this Jack Warden, I'm like, oh, he's, uh, Artie Lang's dad. Who's kind of, you know, inappropriate and he's yes. dying. Um, These are the and then, like, I love. 
how, later how to find out like came to know these actors yeah and then uh christopher mcdonald for me is is shooter mcgavin first from happy gilmore and then he's in this movie as also this like land baron awful guy um norm mcdonald deadpan some of my favorite lines because I, I can't i'm gonna mess it up because it's been a minute since i saw it but it, there's the female lead in this movie is played by uh trailer howard and um he sees her and he he goes like uh becky becky and she's like oh my name's it, it's kathy you must have forgot he's like oh no you never told me so i just guessed and it's just like what the hell <laughs> like that's that the boldest <laughs> statement like you just guess a name like why not you're you look like a becky um and there's just stuff like that it's, if you like norm mcdonald's humor it's very much embedded in this film and the premise is the only thing he's ever been good at in his life this character is is getting revenge so he starts a revenge for hire business so people can hire him to like you know get back at those who have screwed them over and uh things don't go well and things go well and it's it's just it's stupid it's dumb but man the jokes work chevy chase plays a doctor who has a gambling problem um and he keeps like like i i can get your 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 father uh the the kidney he needs but you're gonna have to pay me this much money and then like one scene he's got like a broken arm and he's like i don't understand if the bookie breaks your arm why you still owe him the money like <laughs> it's, it's it's sound advice dude it's it's such a dumb movie like i'm not gonna sit here and act like it's not oh chris farley's in this too by the way i uh, he uh, playing a guy who got his nose bit bit off by a prostitute again playing like this is after tommy boy and yet he's in this movie as like a tertiary character. Like it's wild. Uh, obviously, again, a lot of the SNL crew is, is involved in some capacity, but I, I've always enjoyed this film. And uh, I was a little surprised to see it was 14%, but at the same time, not totally. But if it's on right now, I'm probably going to watch, you know, chunks of it. I don't know how well it'll age. It's 98. <laughs> so it's, you know, but Norm Macdonald was always a pretty, I don't know. I just thought he was a very aware comedian and I, we lost him a couple years ago. We also lost Bob Saget. So this movie is in that way. It's a, it's nostalgic because both of these people are gone. Um, and it's, it's a relic of their, their collaborations. And I, I heard they were really close friends. Um, when they both passed, it was like brought up. So I, I'd forgotten that they collaborated on this film together. So dirty work. It's worth checking out. Nostalgia seems to be playing a part in all of our, uh, both of our choices so far, my friend. Oh, um, for sure. I'm obviously aware of Norm Macdonald and his um, comedic, um, <laughs> well, his, his comedic leaning. So um, I, I always loved his voiceover work as well. Um, uh, my next one, JB, is a film called Jumper, which was directed by the usually reliable Doug Lyman. You know, you think um, American Made, which I thought was really quite good uh, the other year. Uh, the Born Identity. Uh, the edge edge of tomorrow things yep. like that yeah, really good solid films he's also and doing the upcoming roadhouse, roadhouse. yes <laughs> exactly roadhouse that's cut the the jake gyllenhaal amazon prime straight to stream they were given the choice mm-hmm. do you want to mm-hmm. go theatric or do you want to go streaming and they said well it's you know debuting at south by southwest and you're going to see that john uh, it looks like I'm not going to see that. I'm seeing a movie called Sing Sing with Coleman Domingo at the same time that Rough Roadhouse is uh, debuting. So that will still be. I, I I wonder if that will be better. I do. I I am interested in what Coleman Domingo does next. Um, fantastic actor. But um, I've gone for I went for for Jumper because I think this is a a, a very decent. Uh, I don't think again. I think it's a great film. This is fifteen percent on RT. I think it's hovering about the fifty percent for the audience score. It's six point one out of ten on IMDb. So, uh, and Amazon UK is it's four point three out of five. So 
you know, is it good? Is it bad? Who knows? But the RT critic scores fifteen percent, and you know, I remember watching this when it came out in two thousand eight. It's a sci-fi film with action. It, it, I was just coming out of the Star Wars prequels, man. So Hayden Christensen's in it, Samuel L. Jackson's in it. Like, this is great stuff. Uh, and also alongside that, uh, Rachel Bilson, uh, Jamie Bell, Anna Sophia Rob, Christian Stewart is in this film. Michael Rucker. Oh, wow. Yeah, Diane Lane has got a really solid cast. And obviously, I think at the time, they were just trying to push Hayden Christensen as a leading man, which yep. uh, he isn't. I still think he's a decent actor. He's not a leading man. Um, but the, the, um, the, the synopsis, a, gen- a genetic anomaly allows a young man to teleport himself anywhere, anywhere he wants. When he uses his power to rob a bank, he comes to the attention of a shady group of government hunters who intend to misuse him. Um, I imagine he also probably came to the attention of the police and the FBI as well. But um, I, I remember watching this thinking, this isn't that bad. It's not great, but it's not that bad. So when I went to look at what people thought about it and saw it's 15%, I was like, I is it really that is it two percent higher than madame webb if you want to really use that metric um it's <laughs> much more entertaining than madame webb it's a very solid sci-fi film i think it's yeah there are there are great ideas maybe more so than its execution there's good some decent action in it and i don't think the acting is all that bad um it's just I don't, I, I don't really know why people don't like it. i watched it again ooh, two three years ago maybe on blu-ray and i was like this is still this is still good i mean it hasn't necessarily gone up in my estimation as a an amazing film but i remember liking it then i rewatched it and thought this is pretty good so to see it was 15 percent was was very very strange so it's not a film on the list where i look at and think there's any nostalgia necessarily attached to it it's more i thought this film was quite good and i'm really surprised to see most other people thought it was seemingly awful so uh jumper yeah. from 2008 is my third pick yeah, I, I, I'm, I've only seen it once, but I, I didn't hate it when I saw it, and I thought the actual Sorry. idea of jumping was really cool. Um, mm. It's like Nightcrawler's superpower. Uh, it was a it, sequel. I don't know if they ever did it. It's going to be called oh. Jumpers, Alien, Aliens. Ah, dollar um, sign. Yeah, I don't know if they ever got around to do it, or maybe that's just what the, um, what the, the the book was called. It was, but you know, they 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 they, they did uh, open up the world in. Um, in graphic novels and stuff. And there was an idea that the plat, the idea I think was that, you know, Sam Jackson, Hayden Christians and star Wars, man, these guys, this is going to blow up and then we can make our own franchise. And it just never happened. Um, so I can't imagine there is ever going to be another one. Well, my next movie, and we'll, I'll, I'll try to speed through these last two, but, uh, Encino man, um, a movie Ooh. I've talked about before because of Brandon Fraser, uh, in the, the recent, I mean, when you look at the two leads in this film, it's kind of crazy. Cause he's, it's Brandon Fraser and then, uh, Sean Astin, um, who both have, you know, big careers later, but this movie, uh, does not do well for many, but Pauly Shore was actually the draw for me. <laughs> um, I was a Pauly Shore fan when this came out because I was a kid and he was on MTV and he was the weasel. And um, so when he started doing movies, I was kind of all in. And I, I actually could have picked a few of the Polly Shore movies. One in particular, that I'm, in hindsight, is probably the one I should have gone with, which I think Biodome is terrible, but I enjoy watching it. It's been a minute, <laughs> but I've, I've always thought it was so terribly funny, despite it being just absolutely idiotic. But Encino Man, I think, is good, but seems like everyone hates it. I think it's super funny. Um, it's There's relatable stuff. There's stuff that does not age well as a lot of 90 movies are going to be. Um, but the one thing that did age well is, is Brandon Frazier and, uh, um, uh, Lee, Oh man. I always, uh, Ki Hoi Kwan. Kwan. 
um, being in this film together, and then we got to see them hug together uh, at the, during the Oscars because they were both you know winning Oscars that That's year. Wild. Uh, um, so a uh, very small connection in this film, but nevertheless, they're both in it. Um, but I, I still, there's so many lines of this film that are just embedded in my brain. Cause I watched this a lot. Like I'm, I burnt out a copy on VHS when I was a kid. Like it was that kind of a rewatchable for me. Um, and I still have a fondness for it. I, I, again, don't think it's like a masterpiece, but it's a movie that I still enjoy a lot of the scenes. And, um, I, I actually think Sean Astin, Brandon Frazier and Polly Shore are giving incredible performances in this movie. I think they're all really funny and likable and, um, yeah, the Encino Man. Um, they did do, mm-hmm. like you mentioned Jumpers, they did do Encino Woman, a, a sequel that was promised at the end of this film, but I think it was like a made-for-TV movie and none of the ah. returning cast comes back. So ah, so it, it, it probably isn't any better then. Um, I, man, I need to rewatch Encino Man. Uh, okay, yeah. in that case, I, I, I won't then. But I, I, mean, I need to rewatch Encino Man, and I know people said it at the time, but who would have thought, not me, on, on the set of Encino Man, Brendan Fraser and Kiki Kwan would both be winning Academy Awards years later. Um, I don't think they would have thought it either. So uh, good choice, my friend. Um, yeah, my next one is, uh, speaking of series that progressively get weirder and wilder as they go down the line, I've gone for A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, which sits at 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I love the Nightmare on Elm Street films, maybe not so much the remake, um, because I I think they're the most creative of all of the horror series, certainly of the kind of the classic era of Halloween, Friday 13th, the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think these are by far the most creative with, and certainly they pushed, they pushed the boundaries so much, so much on visual effects and special effects back in the day um, that they were almost, well, they were calling cards for some of the best up and come, uh, some of the best VFX artists working now and some of the best up and comers then. But this one I've put on there because whilst again, it's, it's not a great film. I really, I really, I'm always drawn to the premise, but I like all of the films for better or worse. Obviously there are some, which I think are top tier, like dream warriors, and of course the first one and then there are some which i think aren't quite so good like the second one maybe the fourth one you could always say this one as well but i love the premise though now how do you how do you how do you freshen up a franchise that a series going stale well have have the dreams come have have freddy krueger invade the mind of a child in the womb you know, Alice, who's played by, oh my God, I can't remember her name now, Lisa Wilcox. She She's pregnant, but and Freddie uses the dreams of the unborn child to manipulate and do his bidding. And I'm like, you know what, that, that is so horrifically dark, but also quite clever in the way that they do it. Of course, like most of the other films the exec- uh, on this list, the execution isn't potentially as good as it could have been, but it's got some fabulous kill scenes in it. It's got Robert England fully hamming it up now as Freddy Krueger. This is MTV Freddy on steroids. And it's just an entertaining film. I love all these uh, Nightmare on Elm Street films um, because they give me, again, a nostalgia of watching them as a kid. Um, and just there's something about those old oldie timey horror films from the, this is the late eighties, 89, but I know there's still something about practical effects and film grain and horror of those, that age, which just makes it feel that bit more, not more frightening, but hey, you feel like you're in it a little bit more than you do maybe nowadays, but uh, not a great film, but um, one which I will um, defend going forward. Nightmare on Elm Street five, the dream child uh, and JB, your fifth and final pick for the evening, sir. A film that I've watched, 
it's another one that was just on constant repeat when I was a high school and still now Empire Records. Uh, only 31% on Rotten Tomatoes, which mm. is mind blowing to me because I related to this movie so hard. Um, it is the reason I was a store manager at FYE. I've definitely talked about this film before. Um, yep. I still celebrate Rex Manning Day. Like it, it's a thing. <laughs> of beauty to me um not to mention like the cast like if anything is age well it's like oh look who's in this movie it's like Liv tyler uh renee zellweger like uh, a lot of the, cool. the actresses um uh ethan, ethan embry was the introduction to me um i i did not know who he was prior to this movie i think he, he might have been in one other thing this and then he becomes the bass player in that thing you do and it's just like on for me um i i you know, there, again, there are parts of the film don't age well, but the parts that do really connect and, you know, it's that it, it captures the music of the era, the score, or it's not a score. The soundtrack is incredible. Um, it's a film I just really, really enjoy and still go back to it all the time. And it, it I get I kind of get why it's 31 percent. You know, a lot of times critics uh, comedies and like teen dramas often get critical disdain you know because it's not for the people who are generally writing about movies it, it, you could say the same thing with like mighty ducks right family films often mm -hmm. get kind of derived by because they are they're formulaic because of who the audience is and we say the same type of thing like movies can elevate like you can do what you're doing and do it at a a higher degree and we want to encourage that but that doesn't mean Something like Empire Records doesn't hit or land for the person watching it. And for me, it's just one that speaks to my my teenage years in a way that I, I will never, you know, walk away from. No, uh, good shout. And again, great cost for the film there. I love, I, like you, when you were saying about introduction to you know, well-known actors through maybe different avenues, I do enjoy going back to uh, films that I remember as a kid and just looking back at the cast who then were just faces in a film and now you're like wow this this was a stacked cast looking back whereas as kids it's like hey this is just this is just actors man um i also whilst researching this was amazed at how many um films which are perceived to be bloody awful on rt and other critics scores have big stars in them as well so it isn't just uh you know independent films which get slammed yeah. there's so many like uh, a-list driven projects mostly of john travolta which seem to be absolutely um, derided but my final one jb it is just 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 north of 30 percent, 34 percent. but it was for the longest time uh hovering at 20 percent. give or take it's an event it's event horizon the paul ws anderson film i love this film i think it's great i really do i rewatched it three or four years ago i think it's great i wish that it hadn't been chopped to pieces by the studio um because it, it was. It was Paul W.S. Anderson's first cut was apparently so graphic, so violent and so blasphemous. <laughs> for, and that is true that the studio cut so much of it. And what we get now is still pretty violent, pretty, pretty gory. But there is this lost version out there, which apparently is lost for good. The footage is gone. It was um, I know I read somewhere they found some of it in like a Romanian cave or something, which is crazy. But um there's the kind of this cults cults following surrounding it which i'd love to know more about but i think the film that we get is still a very very strong sci-fi horror film which 
I believe is getting a re-evaluation nowadays. People are looking back at it now and being like, do you know what? That isn't actually all that bad. It's got Lawrence Fishburne in it, uh, Sam Neill, Kathleen Quinlan, Jolie Richardson, Jason Isaac, Sean Pertwee. It's got a fantastic cast in it. And, you know, these guys are um, sent on a rescue mission after a missing spaceship, i.e. the Event Horizon, just happens to appear in orbit around Neptune only discover that something wild has come back with it. So it sounds a bit like Alien, but this is more of an HP Lovecraft film than an Alien film. It's all about you know, bending time and space, and it's got things crashing in on each other, and it is quite a visceral film. There are some moments in it where uh, there's some great imagery as well, like really iconic sci-fi horror imagery in this film. Um, yeah, to say too much more is just a full-on spoiler, but I know it was absolutely panned when it came out, and the score is going up and up and up a little bit uh, in recent years. I do wish that the uh, original cut existed because I think it would have been absolutely crazy. But I, I think Event Horizon is undeserving of its um, reputation. I actually think it's a very, very decent sci-fi horror film. When I look at some of the sci-fi horror films above it, I would, and again, you take these numbers and percentages with a huge grain of salt, guys, but I would still argue that, you know, Event Horizon is much, much more, much more solid and much stronger than some of the other films that have come out since 1997 when that did. But yeah, Event Horizon should be much higher in people's estimation, JP. I think it's great. I didn't like it when I watched it a couple of years ago, but um, you I don't remember specifically why. I have watched a lot of horror since then, so maybe I just need to revisit it. it. Uh, sometimes it's just like, my perception of what the story should be or could be Mm -hmm. will like make me dislike the story. So it might've been that where I thought it was doing one thing and then it did, it's, it did what it does. And I was just like, Nope, out on this. Um, Also I do love Sam Neill. So like, I'm very like precious about like, no, no, he has to be Alan Grant. Um, So (laughs) it's it's saying Alan Grant in that film for sure. Absolutely not. not. No, well, that, that's, that's the beauty of this list as well. Just because I've yep. picked them or John's picked them, we may not agree with each other's, but that's the beauty of why we've picked them. We will defend these for all the fun in the world. But um, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Let's do it again next week for some concessions. Let's have another water cooler chat next week, JB. Um, Alrighty. But until then, let's move on to our next scheduled segment we call Media Consumption. And here we rattle through the films, TV series, video games, music, podcasts, whatever we've been using to pass time since our last recording. JB, I know you've been busy with work, but what you've been checking out this week? So, um, as always, listening to Blank Check, Rewatchables, and Big Picture, I've been uh, kind of binging um, Rewatchables back episodes, and then Big Picture, uh, they... I listened to all the draft episodes that they've done and I've listened to um, a few of the other, I can't remember what the other categories that I've listened to. Oh, uh, they do auctions at the beginning of the year where they like, they have a budget and they can pick five movies to kind of like bid on. And that's going to be their slate kind of thing. Um, I've listened to those episodes. What I discovered, they've also done hall of fame episodes where they, they take a, either a filmmaker or a topic and they build what would be considered like the hall of fame for that person. Um, it could be actor, actress, anything like that. And so it's like 10 movies that they think represent that person the best. And uh, I've been like listening to back episodes of those. And those are real compelling um, as well. Uh, become a huge fan of the, of the ringer movie related podcast. Uh, movie wise. Uh, I, I went to the theater and saw the 40th anniversary of David Lynch's Dune. Um, which I, I watched for the first time right before Dune one came out. Dune part one came out. Um, 
and I really liked Lynch's Dune when I watched it the first time. I liked it a little less uh, now. Um, the campiness <laughs> wore on me a little bit in the second viewing. Um, I still like it. It's still it's still something, and the Dune world is so compelling. Um, there's some there's some stuff though, like where the like the lynchiness of it all. You're just like it may be too much uh, sometimes. <laughs> but um, I, as I mentioned already, I saw Dune Part Two. Won't talk about that yet. No. Uh, but my review is up at BerkReviews.com if you want to read my thoughts ahead of uh, our podcast episode that will be coming soon. Um, I went and saw Bob Marley One Love. Mm-hmm. Not a great movie. Not a mm-hmm. bad movie. Um, and I honestly had not really listened to Bob Marley much. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say that a artist that I love uh, did a cover of one of Bob Marley songs, and I had no idea it was a cover until I saw this movie. Um, I was like, oh, God, uh, I had no idea. Um, but now you do. Now I do, and I felt really dumb because it was like, I guess I should have known that, but oh, well. <laughs> um, but it did get me to listen to a lot of Bob Marley since I saw this. And uh, man, what about I don't know if you know this world. He's a real good musician. Um, one it's of those things. Places. Um, but uh, again, so it, it, the movie served its overall purpose. It made me appreciate Bob Marley more, but as a movie, it definitely feels inconsequential, unfortunately, despite having some good performances. Um, and then the movie that, uh, I, I, I can, I'm not really under embargo per se, and my full review will come out closer, but asleep in my palm is, uh, Tim Blake Nelson stars and it's directed by his son. Huh. I think it's, dylan nelson um it's his debut okay i really like this movie i won't get into any details or anything but um it's coming to a, a very small theatrical release and then it's going to have a uh, vod i loved this like it really like just clicked with my like the style it's it's kind of got a noir vibe and man i i just really recommend people check out asleep in my palm um again that's i i don't uh, it should be fine um uh, my full review will be up next week on burkreviews.com um and lastly i haven't played this much but it was a game that i feel like a lot of people slept on including myself i only own it because it was on sale for 10 bucks but uh there was a trend in games i don't know if you've played any of these matt where it's um it's multiplayer but like there's four to six players on a team up against usually one other player who's playing the the bad guy yes yeah I've, yeah i've played the game like, they're, like friday the 13th had it. Yes. they just did a predator game that didn't work unfortunately um, Dead by Daylight's the big one though. That's the mm-hmm. one that's really like dominated for like mm-hmm. five years now. I think it's even maybe longer. Um, it, it keeps it has like every major horror property has a, a DLC yes. for it basically. Um, well, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed is in that same vein. Uh, you can either play as a ghost or you play as a Ghostbuster, but you can customize the Ghostbuster to be you. Like it's really cool. Um, you can also just play uh, against the computer though. Like you don't have to do the have multiplayer friends. thing. And it also has, yeah, and it also has kind of a story. It, it takes up right after Afterlife, and I was, I've been really pleasantly surprised with it. I, I think a lot of people slept on it. Same. There are hey. tons of customizations that I think fans of the of the franchise, especially the animated series, will really, really dig. Um, so I, if you find it again, I we got it for ten bucks at Walmart uh, on disc um, for Xbox Series X. So like, it's and out it's there. Cosplay as well, isn't it? It does have a very easy crossplay thanks to Epic Games. Um, it, it's it's super easy to sign in, and it you can anyone you should be able to play with anyone. The thing is, I've only tried to do online once, and I let it go for like five minutes, and it did not find a match for me. So like that's Perfect. not a good sign. But at least the game it is playable by itself. Or like if you own Friday Thirteenth and suddenly no one's playing it, you can't do anything with it. This game has a 
it, it's not tr- I, I wouldn't call it a story mode per se but there's like bots and stuff that you can you can enjoy the the nature of the game mm-hmm. um and the the proton pack feels the best and like the the interaction with the uh the trap and stuff i think is really really rewarding oh. so let yeah. me get it man i'm just looking right now on amazon for it as well right now um jj told me he played this every day and i'm going to call him out live on air now pre-recorded you haven't sent me your picture of you as a ghostbuster yet like you promised oh yeah i, I will i, the last I probably days. haven't been on the game since i told you yeah, that I'll so let you off then. i'll let you off but I, I would like to get that because i remember playing the Go- ghostbusters a video game and loving that and you know even if they're inconsequential in terms of they're not going to be mentioned in the film it's a cool to know that it comes after afterlife and before frozen empire um that's cool plus customization is fun and i'd like to do some crossplay and bust some ghosts with jb um at some point so if i can pick it up cheap i'll let you know jb and we'll get on that um mine like i said it's been a bit shorter uh, i listened to the listened and watched as i always say but some things never change to double toasted and dead meat on youtube and via the podcasts or uh, the bad movie roasts the weekly review from dead meat the kill count stuff like that always enjoyable comfort television almost for me um i too watched bob marley one love and i too am in complete agreement with you had it been called bob marley half love you know that that would have been more uh in line of my thoughts on it it's not a bad film it's just not good you know it's it's i think there's something about it feels a little devoid of life when you've got something as someone as inspiring as bob marley was to so many people the film doesn't have that inspiration going through it feels uninspired if anything and it doesn't really feel like it wants to dive too deep into bob marley and anything outside of what maybe we already know i think it's you know the the commentary within it isn't particularly scathing or cutting or anything else i'm not entirely sure what it's meant to say other than you know hey guys remember bob marley and how much of a great musician he was an inspiration he was to people around the world here's a film about him to remind you that that's about it it just felt a little bit empty to me and i think with somebody like bob marley they deserve their legacy deserves something a little bit more a little bit tighter and a little bit better than one love but it's it, it it's fine it's certainly it's certainly no worse than some other bar picks i've seen in the last few years um uh, and other than that i haven't really been playing any computer games i haven't played ww2k23 since i completed the my rise section um i think i think i'm done with the game now so i'll probably send that back for something else uh, maybe mm. i'll get spirits unleashed in fact i can rent i can rent it john i'll rent there it you we go. Play. sweet it's there we go thank you jb so i haven't been playing any video games other than ea sports fc with my buddies every now and then um but i uh, today uh the bad batch season three the final season of the latest star wars animated series um, released their first three episodes episode one two three and uh, I, I I enjoyed. It. I like the Bad Batch. Uh, I said in our review we dropped on over at Star Wars Sessions today that dare I say it, this is a, a much more mature take on an animated series, which is you know animation. A lot of people say cartoons as for kids, but you know the first f- episode felt an awful lot like a Terry Gilliam um, episode where it's just the music, the way you just have a static shot of people just walking through and out, little, little little things there, and there's no action in it, and it just follows pretty much one clone in confinement and it's really 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 strange choice for a season op- a series finale opener but i think it works so well uh but yeah very 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 decent and fans uh will 
find a lot to like and who those who don't like it probably won't but uh yeah enjoyed the first three episodes of the bad batch so i was not part of the sad batch i was a dad who was part of the rad batch afterwards i was quite pleased i know i've made them all before and i'm bringing them (laughs) over here now so um that's what i've been checking as hopefully next week potentially depending on time i'd like to be able to say ghostbusters spirits unleashed will be on that list however frozen empire is coming out in a month's time so we will be talking some ghostbusters soon but um hopefully here we go here's a link hopefully that film was bloody awesome but i want to know how you've been staying bloody awesome jb because we've got to make sure we, we're at our best our optimal best for this show it isn't called the bloody awesome movie podcast just as a, a cheap flex we've got to say bloody awesome so how have you been doing that my friend well i've i think Ooh. i've referenced my air fryer a few different times but uh this like weekend um uh, my wife requested that we have new york strip steaks mm. and um, I, I used to grill all the time, but my grill caught on fire a couple of years ago and I haven't replaced it and <laughs> uh, decided uh, to give this a try. So uh, the air fryer is, I think, the most marvelous invention of humanity. Like it, it does everything well. It's it's the weirdest. Thing. It, like everything seems to come out better in the air fryer. So I, I, I don't think I'll ever grill again because one, it's not hot. I don't have to worry about fire. And these came out perfect um so air fried steak i made baked potatoes and roasted asparagus which is also now my favorite way to eat asparagus um yes and man uh it was an incredible dinner uh fed the whole family and then uh, i got some like two days later i was like you know what i'm gonna get some sirloin steaks a little cheaper you know and i did sirloin steak steak fries and caesar salad and everyone was like super happy It's, it's the easiest dinner could possibly be and yeah everyone's super super happy um it's one of those things where it's like, why do I try fancy stuff if all I need to do is give them like steak and a potato and a, a, a vegetable and they're just happy? So, uh, air fried steak—that's that was my bloody awesome, and it was in fact bloody awesome. We we like our steaks medium in this house. Thank you. I uh, I cannot uh, I cannot beat that. So let's just move on to the end of the episode. No, um, oh, no, no. M- my friend, air fryers are—you know, this may be blasphemous for some, but I'm going to stick with it an invention of god maybe even better than god you know john lennon said the beatles were bigger than jesus i think air fryers could claim to be as well i love a good air fryer and sometimes simple is best stick a steak in there put some potatoes on a nice little sauce maybe and simple is sometimes best um so yeah i I dig that my friend um my bloody awesome this week is it's half term it is a week off school for the kids um well in one part of the uk another part was off last week so i have um the joy of having my kid this week um and you know doing cool stuff and just hanging out we made we made mac macaroni cheese every day mac cheese i don't like mac cheese but i found a recipe again we're talking about keeping it simple my friend i found a recipe mm-hmm. online which is supposedly the best one um i made it well we both made it we both made it together you know, dad and daughter making dinner and i tried it and i thought god damn i think i like macaroni cheese now i've never liked it in fact i've actively avoided it my whole life i think i might like it now it was so damn good um and also just doing uh, crafty stuff like ma- making things we made some lanterns the other day like paper lanterns and stuck some lights in they look very cool uh yeah cool stuff i like to pass the time being out uh, and about for some walks and that and just enjoying a week off work as well was, you know, a week with my kid. A week off work's always nice. Um, so I'd say a week to recharge, but I seem to somehow feel slightly under the weather. I think it's because I'm having so much fun and there is no sarcasm there. That's just my Britishness coming out. But no, it's nice. Nice to have a week off with um, 
a small person and I used to have a week off work and I used to just do fun things, probably eat things which aren't great for me. I did my, I made an air fr- I used my air fried every day to make a dessert which was so bad for you in terms of calories, but I saw it on Instagram <laughs> to give it a go. It was basically in in the in the UK we have something called a cream egg. It is a it's an egg, like a chocolate an egg with a chocolate egg with this kind of I don't know how to even think about describing this. It's a sugary paste almost on the inside, which is meant to replicate the white and the yolk of an egg. Uh, and this Instagram reel said, you know, stick that in some puff pastry, put it in the air fryer for 10 minutes with an egg wash. And it's amazing. because like, it's like a chocolate croissant. And I did that. And Jesus, it was the sweetest thing I've ever eaten. I, I managed to just about make, make it through. But you know, when you get halfway through something and think, I don't know if I should do this because I don't know if I'm going to survive, but also I just feel so sick. Um, <laughs> but I powered through. So you used yours for a nice, healthy ear fried steak, and I stuck chocolate and puff pastry in mine. But um, yeah, half term. It very, always always enjoy um, spending time with Mini Me, and it's been a busy, but also at the same time pretty chilled one. Apart from every day when it was full on, but uh, still a few more days to go with it before back to normality. JB, but I will try to get an air fried steak in there somehow. Hey, it's worth trying for real. Definitely recommend. Uh, yeah, better than chocolate and puff pastry, that's for sure. Well, uh, that is going to bring an end then to our episode this week where we discussed Madame Webb. It's there, it's out there in the world now. I'm sure we'll reference it in years to come um, as a, maybe maybe to beat it with a stick, but if so, it'll always only ever be in jest. But next week, we are going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about Drive Away Dolls, which is a film which, um, you know, I'm, I think I'm pretty hyped for this film, JB. I think my hype level was mainly uh, due to yeah. I know you've got Geraldine. This uh, um, I can fan. always say this, and now I've not said it wrong. Geraldine Viswanathan, uh, Margaret Qualley. You got Matt Damon, Beanie Feldstein, Coleman Domingo, Pedro Pascal. My Miley Cyrus is is in this film apparently. Um, yeah, I'm, I, she also doesn't have a name on the cast list, so maybe she's not there anymore. Joey Slotnick. This is a uh a very it's a very brother. it's a cohen it's film. a cohen exactly that's i'm gonna say it's also you know ethan and joel have you know they've gone there they've had a they've had a conscious uncoupling and they are now going solo for the time being so this is ethan cohen directing this it also is an hour and 24 minutes according to google so you know win win great cast i, I you know i'm always here for for the cohen brothers and I mean, the synopsis reads not to go on, but the synopsis just reads like a Cohen film in search of a fresh start. Two women embark on an impromptu road trip to Tallahassee, Tallahassee for you. Uh, however, things quickly go awry when they cross paths with a group of inept criminals along the way. It just screams of Cohen to me. So I'm hoping it is a good film, John. So are you excited? Do you have any uh, hype for driveway yeah. Dolls? I'm definitely ready to see it. Um, it. It's one of those. I feel like we've been waiting to see it for so long because it got delayed mm-hmm. because of uh, the um, strikes and stuff. And I, I, I'm I'm hyped because of everything you said, and I'm nervous because I've seen the trailer and it it doesn't feel like it's working in the trailer. So Ooh. a little nervous about it. Um, I've seen several. I think there's like four different trailers at this point. I've seen all of them. I really want it to work because I, I am a huge Cohen fan and I know this is just one of them, but I, I, I like both of them in general and I love the actresses in the lead here and yeah. I would love for this to work and I'm afraid it's not gonna. So, you know, wait and see. I'm, I'm excited to see it though. Like I do want to see it. I'm just like, 
I feel like I have a lot of a lot riding on this one being good, and I don't. I don't know, man. It's not. It's not feeling like it's gonna be. But so well, well it, 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 here comes that first stick. It ain't gonna be as bad as Madame Web, I imagine. Um, I'm sorry, yep. everybody out there, all you Webians out there, but Webheads. Um, but Drive Away Dolls is gonna be our film of the week next week. Really looking forward to it. And like JB, all the ingredients in there. Hopefully, we can make a nice cake out of it. But until then, we'd love to know your thoughts on anything we've discussed tonight, especially Madame Web. What did you think of the film? Uh, and also, you know, what, what are your guilty pleasures? What are the films which the world tells you are bad, but you actually think are pretty good? We'd love to know that as well. Uh, you can find us on X at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. John, where are we on Instagram, threads, and TikTok? We are at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Yes, sir. Facebook, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast on there. We will be adding to the Tomato Meter for Madame Web because we are a RT-approved podcast so check us out on there and wherever you see a film percentage do look for the bloody awesome movie podcast and we probably will be there if you want to talk to me about films at any point you can do just go to whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and search what i watch tonight across all of the socials including letterboxd john whereabouts are you and on the internet i'm at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media platforms Yes, sir. Go check him out. And if you like what we're doing here, we've been doing it for a long old time now, and we like what we're doing here, we would really appreciate a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice. It's very quick and easy to do now. Just scroll up, just scroll down, drop the five stars, and by the time I finish this sentence, you probably could have already done it. Thank you to everyone who already has done so. It really helps the show grow. It gets more listeners in. Uh, and we can hear from more film fans each and every week. And with that, as always, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody, 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 blood, blood, bloody, awesome.